Okay, it's 12.01, let's get it going. How are you guys doing today? Everybody good? Well, good. Wonderful. Darcy already had his walk. Well, good morning, good afternoon. Well, it's good afternoon. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, thank you for joining our second panel. Uh, in today's panel, we're gonna webinar, we're gonna talk about real estate and how real estate can be a tool to build generational wealth. Um, in our first uh, webinar, we talked about investing in the stocks. That was the fir first part, but now we're gonna talk about um, and talk about generational wealth of utilizing real estate. Now, I, for one, do not own real estate. I would love to own real estate. Um, I have no clue of the process. So hopefully I'm going to be educated myself through this whole process. Uh, with that said, I would like to introduce uh, the speakers. We have Imad, who you might be familiar with from our last panel. We have Sharon, and we also have I'm Dexter. So that's that's we're gonna kick it off this way. So I'm gonna allow you guys to introduce yourselves and we go this way. Okay. Ahmad, do you wanna go first or you want me to go first? Who's up first? Sharon, you're up first. Okay. Hi everybody. <laughs> I'm so grateful you guys are here today. Um, I want to welcome you. My name is Sharon St. John. I am a broker here in Los Angeles, California. Uh, my brokerage is called St. John Estates, and we help um, individuals buy, sell, invest in real estate in the Los Angeles area. All right, Dexter. Hi, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, my name is Dexter Craig, and I'm a real estate broker in um, New York. I cover the Syracuse and Rochester market. Um, I've been in real estate probably about 18 years, and I cover commercial, residential, and corporate real estate. I help uh, individuals and companies uh, buy acquire property and dispose of property. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is uh, Dr. Imad Rahim. I'm one of the co-hosts on this program. I am a business professor and a uh, college dean, and I, I, I focus a lot on startups and entrepreneurship. I guess I should introduce myself, right? Uh, my name is Starsky Robinson. I am a digital marketer. Uh, my background is doing digital marketing for Beats by Dre. Uh, for Nintendo and a couple other uh, digital as well as entertainment companies. Uh, but the focus of this whole group is to talk about uh, building generational wealth among black and brown people. There is a issue that there is a gap between those that have and those who do not have, especially within our community. There's a gap between black and brown people of having any type of sizable wealth and or ownership in even companies compared to our white neighbors. And this group is to help eliminate the wealth gap. And this is what this group was, was created for. Uh, with that said, I'm going to hand it over to our experts in real estate and allow them to walk us through what they have to educate us. Thank you. Thank you so much for that introduction. Like I said, my name is Sharon St. John. I'm a broker here on the West Coast. And today, Dexter and I are going to be talking about um, investing in real estate, using real estate as a tool to, like Starcy said, uh, address that wealth gap and increase the wealth in the Black community, the Brown community. Um, so Dexter and I talked offline and we said, what are our two objectives for this for this webinar. One is to introduce individuals to all the opportunities. I, I mean, we're not gonna hit all the opportunities, but we wanna introduce the vast amount of opportunity that is available um, within the real estate um, community. I'm hearing a little feedback. Are you guys hearing that? Yeah, I hear the feedback too. Yeah, okay. I'm on mute, so um, it's not coming from me. Okay, I'll adjust on my end. Okay. Um, Is it because you have two screens being shared? No, not like I heard someone else talking. It okay. was like a participant talking, but um, yeah, okay. Okay, and the second objective moving right along is to begin the process of wealth building through real estate ownership. Dexter, am I leaving anything out? 
No, you uh, pretty much covered it all, Sharon. Okay. Um, so I, because this conversation is targeted to the black and brown community, I wanted to put this, the context of real estate within a, within the history of the United States, okay? And there's a lot going on with conversations about race and racism and systemic racism. And so let's just draw attention to the numbers. 155 years ago was when slavery was legally abolished in the United States. That's not a thousand years ago. That's not, I heard a comedian say that's like three people ago. You know, that it's, it's relatively recent. Um, I always, since we're talking about investing and wealth building and wealth generation within the black community, I also like to always bring up the Black Wall Street um, where the dollar circulated between 60 to 100 times before it exited the black community. I mean, you know, Ahmad, you're a professor of business, add on if you, want to so but like just to put this in the context the black community did build wealth um and then it was the target of extreme racist terrorism so the the race massacre and um the tulsa massacre in 1929 literally burned down blocks of Black Wall Street, people were homeless, um, the businesses were lost. They estimated to be about $20 million worth of money burned to the ground during that um, that massacre, okay? And again, this is not, this is not decades or, well, it's 10 decades ago, but it's within two people ago. This is the context of um, black wealth in America. So I, I have a question. Mm-hmm. Is it safe to say one to two generations ago, more black and brown people own real estate than today in this generation? And we've been seeing that statistic flying around. And yes, that is true. But what I'm trying to do is not just say, oh, you know, why is this happening? I'm trying to put the conversation into context. So there's a history that's involved um, and 50 years after slavery, we saw Black Wall Street, and then we saw a a very intentional reaction towards it, okay? A very intentional response, deliberate response of destroying that wealth that was created, okay? Um, So yeah, there were systems that were built to prevent Black people from regaining that type of success. Um, today's hot topic is systemic racism. That's what we're seeing in the news. That's what we're uncovering about in the media, in, um, in the police system, in the criminal justice system. But let's talk about it within the context of real estate because it is also there. Um, systemic racism is embedded in real estate, which is a major deterrent to building wealth. If there's barriers to accessing wealth, accessing the tools to generate wealth, there's going to be a disparity. You're going to see those numbers. Um, Okay, so a lot of the great financial gurus will tell you that real estate is key, owning a home, that's the keystone to wealth, it's the American dream, of course. But let's talk about all the, what we just mentioned, the systemic racism, the policies that were put in place, that prevented that from actually happening within the black community, within uh, brown communities. Um, redlining, Dexter, do you do you want to talk about that one? Well, I mean, redlining. Actually, most of these um, issues that came up, they're taught in real estate class now. So, real estate agents or brokers to pass the exam. These are questions on their exam. So the state recognized that these are issues. And so all agents must be aware of it so we don't repeat the same issues again. So redlining, for example, it's with a mortgage lender, basically um, discriminating against folks and kind of drawing on a map where, you know, they will fund and will not fund. And that will um, keep the black community, black and brown community, from moving into certain areas because they're just not qualified without financing, you're not going anywhere. Yes, and what's so fascinating is that um, 
it was accepted policy by banks, by mortgage lenders to circle in red pen, black neighborhoods, brown neighborhoods and say, we do not lend money here. That's where the term redlining comes from. Okay. So I mean, like like Dexter mentioned, this is taught to real estate brokers. This is part of our history, part of our code of ethics that we can't practice that that we don't we don't do those things. Um, steering is another common practice where the real estate agent or the mortgage lender, the the real estate professionals will steer the client away from certain neighborhoods. So based on your skin color, I'm going to bring you over here and show you that these are properties that people like you would like. Yeah, that's a no, no. And And that that may happen in some instances still, but you as the consumer, um, you have a right to just tell the agent. So if let's say Syracuse, for example, you want to buy a home in Manulis and um, the agent said, no, let's, why don't we check in Syracuse? You can insist and say, no, that's what I want. And you can insist on it and, and, and look at properties and Manulis as opposed to having that agent steer you. Right. Um, which is illegal. You might want to also let that know that that is illegal to tell you. Is that illegal? Can you report that to, you know, a a organization to say, hey, they're doing this type of legal practices to have that, you know? Yes, you can. It's uh, the Department of State. So the New York Department of State, um, all of our license go through that uh, Department of State. And I believe it might be the same for California. Um, well, it's really important to to say that, yes, we can report them, but this wouldn't even be an issue if it wasn't happening. This would not be a law to be broken if it wasn't happening to begin with. Um, and the goal of this conversation isn't to make people afraid of buying. I really just want to set the tone and let you know what is happening and why the later parts of our presentation are really, really important. The last one I want to touch on really briefly is blockbusting, uh, which is the idea of coming and this is what agents would do to try to get listings. They call up the neighborhood and um, one, two, three Main Street. Do you know who moved in at one, two, four Main Street? You might want to sell the property values going down and they stir up a lot of fear. People would leave. Of course, when everybody's selling, the market is over flooded, the prices go down, that neighborhood turns over and you just lost value in your equity. Um, these are these are just the history that's happening, that has happened. Go ahead, Dexter. Um, no, you hit it right on the head. Um... It's using fear tactics to force individuals to sell at a lower price than someone else can acquire that property and gain instant equity. But these are all things that happened in the past, not saying that it can't happen today, but um, these are set in stone with the Department of State. Right. There are laws in place to prevent this from being a systematic problem. There There are resources available to help, like you said, report it if you notice it. Uh, And really the goal of this is to just get an understanding of the complicated history, how it relates to real estate specifically, and how you as the consumer, you as the buyer, you as the future investor can move through these, these, uh, I guess, barriers. Um, What I always encourage people to do is get really clear on what it is you wanna do. And then you can create a plan and then you can move forward. Um, And the goal of this conversation is to help you see how real estate can play a role in your financial future. I believe at St. John Estates, I believe that real estate is a tool that everyone who wants access to that tool should have access to that tool. And I personally am committed to making sure that people who want that access get it. Um, Dexter, did you want to comment about what you wrote here in your quote? Yeah, I think real estate is an awesome um, investment. It's definitely tangible. Um, uh, I like the stock market too, but with real estate, I can drive by, see my property, it's still there. If it burns down, I know I have insurance. Um, And I know with cost of inflation, it's going up two and a half to 3% every year. So it's an awesome investment. If that keeps giving. Can I jump in here really quick? I have a question. Um, When it comes to real estate, I noticed that um, 
depending on what communities you grew up in or who you are, I remember driving out, it was Ubering, actually Ubering, making some extra cash. I had to drive out into a ritzy area called Calabasas, California. And I picked up some kids. They had to be between 14, 15, 16. And they were already talking about how they were purchasing their first property. In our communities, at least in my household and a lot of other households, those conversations don't happen. Why do not? Why do we not talk about owning property or owning multiple revenue opportunities within real estate within our own communities? Is it a fear, or we just don't know? Is it just something that we're just not exposed to? I'm just curious of why real estate is usually talked about later after you graduate from college within our communities versus now at a younger age. I mean, and that's that's a very like opinion based. I can give you my opinion on the matter, which just understanding if I'm thinking of, um, let's say my parents, they had property and they lost property during the 2008 big recession. Okay, when the market crashed and all the mortgage industry blew up. They don't like talking about that. That was a horrific experience for them. They, that was very scary. And they have since yet, since then been able to repurchase. And it's not that they can't afford to, it's just, that was a bad experience. I don't want to do that anymore. If we take it back to that Black Wall Street example, where maybe somebody worked really hard and built a business and bought a home and then terrorists came and burned it down. Is that something you're going to relive over and over again with your children and like reinforce to them? Um, just to me, it seems like there have been ways where mentally black, the black community has been like just or um, encouraged to stay away, if we could put it like that. And that that's kind of the residual effect. Dexter, do you have a different opinion? Yeah, I could tell you, like from my perspective, um, like I was born in South America and living in South America, my mom owned property there, real property. My aunt owned real property. Um, coming to America, we lived in um, apartment buildings um, for majority of my younger life. And I did not know the concept of owning property. All I knew was apartment, the rent is due cut the landlord a check on the first of the month. But as I got older, um, I just stumbled on real estate and it seemed complex at first, but it's literally the easiest thing. It's really hard to screw up a real estate deal. So I think it's lack of knowledge and fear. Yeah. All right, so now help us to get, help us to set us with knowledge of why we should own property. Take us through this process of why, as a community of beautiful black and brown people, why we should start owning today. I love that question because that's why we're all here. We want um, financial security. We wanna build a solid foundation for our future, our kids' future. Real estate is a major vehicle in that process. Um, this is a quote that I love, 90% of all millionaires become so through owning real estate. And like Dexter said, it's not that complicated. Let's have the conversation. Let's talk about it right now. Yeah, I think Starsky too, if you have the mindset and saying that my kids will never rent a property because literally when you rent, you're throwing the money away. You have nothing to show for it. So you pay for that month and your money is gone. But owning property, you're actually investing it in something tangible. So you're building wealth. So if you need to tap into that money at a later date with the equity to buy something, that money is available. And that property, you can actually pass it on for generations. But when you're renting, you're literally every month, it's like putting that money in the garbage can. Yeah. Um, okay, let's move on to the next slide and talk about the options. Um, so, like it's being hinted about, where do I start? First of all, we just want to talk about all the different options. It's really hard to say, I want to invest in real estate without knowing how specifically you want to do that. 
Um, so real estate, like we have been saying, affords you different options. And we'll briefly run through a couple of the different scenarios, house hacking, has anybody, you guys know what I'm talking about. It's where you live in the property and fix it up while you're living it in it. You could buy it low, buy a fixer-upper, mm -hmm. live in it, fix it, sell it for more than you bought it for. Very simple, buy low, sell high, make money in the middle. I will piggyback on that too. Um, every property I've ever owned, mm -hmm. I look for the ugliest property. I, I want the most square footage in the best area and it's definitely the ugliest property in the block shag carpet and all <laughs> but when i go into the property i want to buy it at a right price if i buy it at a right price then i have an upside and then i can add my flavor to that property and bring it to life yep. and then resell that property so every property i've ever had i was able to pull equity out of it right and let's say maybe we're talking to someone who's not really wanting to roll up their sleeves and buy a fixer-upper. Maybe they just want to own something um, that's livable today that I feel happy living, moving my family into. That's perfect. No worries. Buying the property as opposed to renting the property, you are building equity. You purchase it with a loan, and then as you pay that loan down, that equity you're building you can use that later. That's called a home equity line of credit. You can pull that equity out, cash out, and put it towards maybe a second investment property, maybe your kid's tuition at college, maybe financial um, medical expenses, whatever. That equity is being built because the asset lives, it's the home, and then you're paying down the mortgage against it. So the, the part that's yours is always yours. And it's actually better than having like an auto loan because you can't write off the interest in the auto loan, but then taking the equity line of credit from the house, you can write that off on your taxes or get a deduction for it. Mm -hmm. um, that's an amazing point. Um, just running through the rest of these options you have with real estate investing, the Burr strategy. I don't know if everyone is familiar with the Burr strategy. It's buy, rehab, refinance, repeat. So buying, choosing to live in it or not, if you're house hacking, you're living in it. But if you just buy it, fix it up, and then refinance into a better loan, because now the value of the home is so good, and pull out the difference. When you repeat the scenario, you pull out the difference and roll it into another property. And you can just snowball that effect. Um, something I always like to talk about is that the loans for a home a regular mortgage qualifies on one unit it qualifies up to four units so again as residential mm -hmm. do you want to explain that one dexter um yeah so commercial is considered anything um, above four units so a five unit building will be considered commercial uh, the loan type is completely different actually you'll require to put more money down but a one to four unit you can utilize as owner occupant property. So let's say a young man coming out of college or a woman coming out of college decide I'm not gonna be a renter, purchases a four unit, live in one unit and rent out the other three. So now they're living rent free for one and the other three tenants are paying their mortgage and they're getting cash flow coming back from it. Yep. And also the um, BRRR strategy I would say if it's your first investment property, be cautious unless your numbers are solid. Because if you don't have a good renovation budget, so you acquire the property, you have your acquisition cost. If you don't have that tight renovation budget, that can get out of whack real quick. And so you might over improve a property. Yeah. So do it with guidance. I think all of this is you need to have guidance. Yes. Um, you should definitely not be playing out of your financial league. So stay within your budget. And we're gonna talk about that when we talk about access to these options. But these are just the different options to consider. When you're thinking about investing in real estate, how do you wanna do it? Are you looking to buy fix and flip? Are you looking to buy four units and live in one and rent out the other? You, um, home-based business, I like to tell uh, about the story. I sold a house to a client. 
two years later, she had planted her own garden. She brings the fruit from her fruit trees and sells it at the farmer's market. She gets the tax incentives for having a home-based business. She generates money. It's her home. She's building equity. That's an option that isn't available to somebody who's renting. Um, I mean, unless your landlord will let you. A lot of things that are a lot of my clients here in Los Angeles, because there's a housing crisis, they're building additional units in their backyard. So they're turning, they're converting their garage into a one bedroom, or they're just building a one bedroom uh, in the backyard to get that rental income or doing Airbnb. Maybe you have a four bedroom house. You could rent out two bedrooms on Airbnb. I know in Syracuse, you kept talking about um, the Airbnb market out there, Dexter. Yeah, I mean, anytime there's a game at the university, everything is sold out. So, <laughs> I mean, anyone here can attest to that, you know? So having an Airbnb, um, you're almost guaranteed to have that rented out. Yeah. And the laws are a little different depending on where you're located, on what you can do with your property. Airbnb is heavily regulated in Los Angeles now. They have a cap on how many days you can do it. So again, knowing your numbers, knowing what your options are, mapping out what's going to work for you, your goals, and your, your capabilities. Um, I know it's a hot topic talking about REITs and investing in real estate through the, real, um, through the uh, stock market. Did anybody want to touch on that one right now? It's okay. REITs are real estate investment trusts. So it's a publicly traded pool of money that's specifically put into property. So instead of you being the sole owner of this house and making sure everything's working and returning a profit for you, you invest in a REIT um, through the stock market and you get maybe a dividend payout once a quarter, once a month, depending on the different REITs. Again, all of these are just options to get you thinking, how do I want to invest in real estate? And then you can pick whichever sounds appealing and do a little digging and figure out what works for you. I just want to add on to uh, REITs. Um, the, the key thing to remember is REITs is just like any other stock. You have to do your research, mm -hmm. right? Don't, don't just pick it because you heard that it's safer. You know, like that. There's a lot of people that say REITs are recession proof. That's that's false. You know, REITs are like any stock. Um, it's a little bit safer depending on the research you do because REITs work more like mutual funds. It's a portfolio of different investments. But the great thing is there are different websites you could utilize where you could actually measure the level of risk tolerance that you have. And based on the, the, the risk tolerance, they would identify certain portfolios that match with your level of risk, right? So whether you wanna uh, invest more in apartments versus commercials versus real estate, versus rental, versus um, retail and things like that. So that's important to, uh, to identify. And if you are investing outside of the stock market, because there's there's private equity firms that also manages REITs, make sure you do your homework on the company, not just the investment that they are involved in, but make sure you check the the, the Better Business Bureau. Um, you know, do some research on the on the LLC, on their history. Right, several of these companies have have transferred over to larger firms or they changed their names um, in the past. And those are like red flags that, that something's happening, something's not right. Um, some of them will tell you they have a, a better return and that might be so, but their risk is a lot higher because they're not insured like a lot of the companies on the stock market, right? Um, like once again, it's just, it's just to make sure that you do your research, you ask those questions. Um, remember, it's your money, it's your retirement, it's your future. So just make sure you ask all the, the, the questions before you put your money in there. Yeah, I can't echo that. Any type of investing you're doing, whether you decide to go with real estate, whether you decide to do day trading through the stock market, you have to learn what to do. Um, the last one I'm gonna just quickly touch on so you're familiar with it is syndications are when a group of people pool their money, leverage the larger amount to invest in something bigger. So there's crowdfunding syndications that are really exciting right now. It allows you to put a small amount of money into a big pool to do the same type of investing and get a return. 
Okay, tons of options within the real estate market. Dexter and I offline would love to talk to you specifically and help you hash out any of these questions you have. Um, I thought it might be helpful to some of our viewers. I know a lot of people in the group were asking, is it better to buy or rent? Um, and this is just a very simple scenario that Dexter has provided us. Do you want to touch base on this, Dexter? Sure. Um, I just wanted to see um, the, the, the money associated with renting a property over a period of time versus owning a property over a period of time. So in this scenario, um, let's say in the Syracuse Rochester market, a uh, three bedroom home rents her $900 a month. Um, over 60 months, five years, you would have paid out $54,000. And that's saying that your rent is flat for five years, which it's not, it'll probably increase 3% per year. Um, that will be the escalation rate for the rent. So that's 54,000 that you're not going to see again. On the other scenario, owning a property, you bought a property for 100,000. And in Syracuse, Rochester, you can get a decent property for 100,000. 4% uh, interest rate, 3.5% down using an FHA loan, and about 4,000 in taxes. And these are a little on the higher side, but your mortgage would be $860 a month. And that's your principal, your interest, your taxes, and your property insurance. So that's your one payment, and you'll make that every month. But a portion of that money will go towards the principal. So initially in the loan, you'll pay more towards interest and a lower amount to principal. But let's say you wanted to pay your mortgage down quicker, you can pay $900 a month if you wanted to and pay it down quicker, but you know it's going, you can add that additional amount to the uh, principal to get it down quicker and build more equity. And the benefits of renting versus owning a property with renting, it's not much um, benefit associated with it because you don't have the ownership interest in it. Um, you can't do anything with the property. It's subject to what your landlord limits you to. You can't paint the house whatever color you want. Um, and you're not building any um, equity in it. But in owning the property, you do have the tax benefits. You do have the uh, ownership interest in it. You have equity and you control the use of the property and you can pass it on to future generations too. So if you have a 30 year mortgage, you paid it off, pass it to your kids if you wanted to. And all your kids would have to do is pay the property insurance and the taxes. There's no mortgage involved and they have equity they can leverage to buy another property if they wanted to. This is interesting. Um, I'm also curious because I live in Los Angeles. I know some of us live in New York City, Chicago, and other major cities. How much is the difference? You know, I would love to see something that's comparable to where I live, but I guess I have to speak to one of you individually. Um, we're in a COVID environment. It's a COVID world. Uh, there are grants being issued out. There are loans, housing loans being put on hold. Is it a good time to buy right now? Of course, the real estate market didn't, uh, it didn't stop. Honestly, the applications for mortgages have gone up. And like, like Dexter pointed out, the interest rates are very, very low, historically low. That means the cost to purchase, the cost to borrow money is really affordable. Anytime that happens, it's a good time to buy. Unless you're going in all cash, then you want to buy when everything's cheap. But if you're going to take out a mortgage, it's a good time to buy when the interest rates are low. Um, and with regards to COVID, there are just new regulations that are going on. If anything, I'm seeing a lot of people like getting nervous and preparing for a correction. So they're wanting to put their market on their property on the market. I know it's a little bit different where Dexter is. Do you want to comment on that? Um, I guess, first of all, at three and a half percent interest rate, that's literally like free money. If you're back in the 80s during the Reagan era, um, interest rates were around 15, 16 percent. So when you're looking at a three and a half percent or four percent, I mean, that's that's definitely free money. 
Um, so it's always a good time to buy a property because every year that property cost of inflation is going to go up at two and a half to three percent. It will accumulate. Right. So let's since we're moving into the money conversation, I want to be mindful of the time so that we do leave time for specific questions. But let's talk about the money. So there's all these options in real estate. How do I get access to them? Um, like we already bought brought up the mortgage rates are are amazing right now they're super low that means the cost to borrow is very affordable okay if you are a veteran the va loan first of all thank you for your service to this country um as a perk i guess you have access to the veteran the va loan which is no money down 100 financing at a very competitive interest rate um so access to owning a home you literally just need your next month's rent and proof of income you qualify for the loan if your credit score is good if you can qualify for the loan with your income and your credit then you can not pay your rent but pay your mortgage the next month you don't need to come to the deal with a lot of money down it's a hundred percent financing zero down payment um FHA loans are the Federal Housing Administration said, hey, we want to incentivize people. We want to encourage home ownership in America. So the federal government said, we'll back the loan. We're the co-signer on the loan, essentially. And the FHA loan is, um, is targeted for people who are buying a home for the first time. And it, they've reduced the um, down payment to 3.5%. So when you hear people talking about 20% down, maybe some loans for sure, but there are options where you can just have 3% down. So 3% of that $100,000 property that Dexter said was $3,500. Um, that's not bad. Uh, Dexter, you brought up the USDA loans, which is a, a big thing in New York. Do you want to touch on that one? Yes, USDA, it's also like a VA. It's 100% financing. It's more towards the rural areas. So if you go to the USDA website, you can plug in an area, for example, and it'll show you in a map where you can utilize that USDA loan. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and then let's say maybe you don't have the, you don't qualify for the 100% financing and you do need to come up with the down payment. If you Google whatever city or county you're in, there are programs that are specifically designed to help you with your down payment. Um, LA City Down Payment Assistance Program, LA County Down Payment Assistance, Closing Cost Grant. Those types of things do exist. Just Google it. Um, you have, a, think, you have yeah, a question yeah. to add on to that, that topic. Um, someone asked, um, based on those programs you mentioned, especially for first time buyers, if, if someone bought a property under an LLC, and then they they wanted to buy a property under their name now. Would they be eligible for some of these programs for first-time buyers? If the loan is not in their name, it's in the company's name, the property, the asset is owned by the company, then the individual can purchase their home. But but if they if they purchase the home, would they be eligible for some of these first-time buyers program? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so if my business owns property, but me, the individual, I own no property, I don't have a mortgage in my name, then when I go to my mortgage lender, they're gonna pull up my individual balance sheet, my ownership record, and I'm not gonna have any property. So yes, me as an individual, I qualify for an FHA loan if I, as the individual, do not own property. And even you can qualify for an FHA loan if you've owned property in the past, but it's been three years and I don't have any property now. So my parents, like I mentioned, they own property during that last recession. Right now they're eligible because they haven't owned anything for the past three years. Does that so, make sense? That makes sense. So that's how come a lot of these athletes, superstars buy property under a LLC or a trust. Um, because they can buy more property is why is this is like a this, I don't want to say this is a loophole but is this an advantage to any business owner or any family to be able to buy multiple properties uh, I, I would add one thing to Sharon um, if you purchase with an LLC there are a few banks and credit unions that will allow you just to purchase it 
as an LLC without making you financially liable. So you would have to back it in certain cases where it's in the corporation, but you will have to be on the loan also backing it, insuring it. So right. in that case, you might be partial owner, but the benefits of an LLC, um, investment properties, for example, if something happened to the property, you needed to be an arm's length transaction. So if you have your business and your, your personal home, you want to keep the, those two separate. So LLC offers that level of protection. And there's different um, corporations that you can create. You can do a S corporation or a C, which is too huge, but the S or the LLC, it's ideal for the real estate. LLC is more common though. And I will say, so that's a little bit, um, the reason people put their assets into LLCs, and we'll talk about this when we talk about like building the wealth that we pass forward, generational wealth, is the LLC is designed to protect your asset. It's designed to separate you from your assets. So if, like, like Dexter said, if you have a, a bunch of real estate investment property and it's held in the, in the LLC or the trust or wherever, and something happens where the business is liable, whoever's suing will only be able to sue that company, the LLC. That's why LLCs are formed to protect you, the individual, from liability that may be generated out of the, the, the business. Um, and when you're talking about purchasing, there's it's not that you need this loophole to do multiple deals. Like we mentioned in the options before, you can just pull out the equity and do it all over again. If the numbers make sense, there's a way to do it. Uh, you don't necessarily have to use an LLC. Um, and just to wrap, uh-huh. I was gonna Go say ahead. there's another question that, that ties to this LLC conversation. Um, if someone owns uh, properties in in a few different states, mm -hmm. should they should they convert them into an LLC? Is there an advantage of doing that versus owning them individually outright? Yeah, and so there are there are tons of advantages, and this is where you want to bring in. We're going to talk about it in the next slide. Who's your team? Who's on your team? This is where you want your accountant on your team because having your investment property in a business entity there's depreciation involved there's tax liability credit there's all these different things if your expenses if let's say your rental property is your business which it is it is a business uh, when we're talking about investments this is this is what we're talking about it's a business it's generating income there's expenses associated with it if you're documenting that properly there's tax um, incentives to including your real estate in that in that whole picture. Does, is that making sense? But again, every state has different rules and regulations. Every state has different uh, requirements from their LLCs. Uh, there's a question here, like, does the LLC have to be in existence for a certain amount of time? I have clients writing deals and saying LLC to be formed in Correct. the agreement. That the, people know this is a, a mechanism, a tool to acquire property and to keep it separated from the actual individual. It's it's just a tool. So we again, we can take this offline for people who have very specific questions and I can point you, depending on your location, we can point you in the right direction of some resources, but there you can use these tools. All right, just to be cautious of time, we are 15 minutes to the hour. There's still a lot of information you want to get to about the money aspect and generational wealth aspect of it. So let's knock this down. Okay, last two things that I think everyone should look into is NACA. If you've never bought a property, NACA literally holds your hand through the process of becoming a homeowner. They have some really awesome program uh, tools and loan uh, products that are worth looking into. 203k loans are literally the most, I love these loans and I love working with clients who are using them. Basically, you can buy a fixer upper. Let's say you're gonna house hack and I'm gonna buy this property, live in it and renovate it and then sell it in a year or two when all the renovations are done. The 203K loan allows you to price out all the repairs you need um, and wrap that cost into the mortgage amount. So now you have one loan that already includes all your rehab costs and by the end of 
the rehabilitation, you still already paying that same mortgage and now you have a property that's increased in value. Um, okay, so now we just talked about all your options. We just talked about all the resources available. What do you do next? What's your next step? We have to take action. Um, and I always start with the plan. I tell my clients, what do you want to accomplish? What is your goal? Let's set some really smart goals here. A smart goal is specific. I know exactly what I want to do. I can measure my progress towards achieving that goal. It is an achievable goal. Um, and I have a time limit on it. Dude, Starcy, when are you buying a property? This week, next week, next year? Put a time frame on it. Um, and then like real estate might not work for everyone. Real estate might be too much of a risk or it might be, I can't afford to bump up my, uh, my housing expense by $200 until six months from now or whatever. Know your numbers, know what you're willing to come to the table with. And then, and then it's a clearer picture of how feasible that goal is. Um, Credit is a huge thing, which I honestly believe you should do a whole webinar about, but credit is your, is, is very, very important. So knowing your goals, knowing your numbers and making sure your credit score isn't holding you back. There's a lot of things you can do to repair your credit that are not very expensive. Um, and then building your team. So we brought up, if you're a business owner, if you're considering putting property or investments in an LLC, where's your accountant in this conversation? You better have an accountant that knows what they're talking about, familiar with the laws. Um, your mortgage lender, if you wanna do a 203K loan, if you wanna do a NACA loan, if you wanna do, uh, you wanna be eligible for these down payment assistant grants, not every mortgage broker is gonna do that. They're not gonna take the time to write out that paperwork. Not every real estate broker is gonna drive you around and show you properties that are in a good neighborhood, but like, you know, like what Dexter was saying, the fixer upper on the best block. Like not every real estate professional has your best interest in mind. You have to find and build your team with the people who are aligned with what you want. Um, and then don't quit. I know it's it's a lot to take in. It's sometimes overwhelming, but as long as you have the right team, you'll get to the goal. Am I leaving anything out? Now, okay, we can move on. Um, I believe real estate investing is amazing. It, it's available to everyone. It's a very, very like solid, predictable vehicle to get a return on your money. Um, and we all love cash flow, right? So this is Robert Kiyosaki talking about real estate being a way to build your cash flow, build your investment, build your wealth. Um, okay, so let's frame this in thinking long-term. This is generational wealth. This isn't like I get rich today and like take my coins to the grave. No, this is changing the dynamic um, in a whole community. So, um, wealth is something that doesn't leave when you leave it, it lasts beyond you. Um, I mentioned it briefly before, but how do you want to hold the entity? And I love that people are already asking about LLCs and your business and trusts. A lot of people don't know about that. They don't have wills. They don't have their estates prepared in a way that um, it won't just be sold off, if that makes any sense. Dexter, do you want to comment on this? Um, definitely, I would say if you buy property for investment purposes, um, I would advise against keeping it in your name. You can use a trust. Uh, there's different forms of trust. There's a living trust. There's a revocable trust. Um, also with the LLCs, if you have multiple properties, especially if it's in different states. So for example, if you had 20 properties, um, you can take it and put it in four different LLCs. And if something happens in one LLC, you can't go across, let's say that person that's filing a grievance can't go across all LLCs. So it's a good way to protect yourself. And that's what actually um, developers do. So if they create a, a um, subdivision, that's under one LLC and they create another one that's under a different LLC. So if something happens, everything is not in one location. 
friend. And it's, it's like a business is kicking out income. Um, so each little LLC, each individual business has its own set of parameters. And um, I read something on Instagram the other day where this woman is having conversations with her daughter about if something were to happen to me, you live off of this asset's residual income and you invest this asset's residual income. Those are options you have when you're thinking long-term and putting your real estate portfolio in specific places. Um, and Dexter brought this up from the beginning, the tax incentives for owning a home, amazing. Um, the tax incentives for owning investment properties, amazing. And even I was talking with my mother the other day, you can direct your IRA into real estate investments. It doesn't have to just stay in your 401k and be in the stock market. There's so many options available to you. Talking with your accountant, your mortgage broker, your real estate broker to understand what your options really are. I see you guys unmuting. Do you want to chat? Am I talking too much? I, I can add to it. I would say that if you're now starting out as an investor, um, my recommendation, first and foremost, um, is don't quit your day job. Keep your day job. And use real estate as a way of building another stream of income. Your first property you acquire, every month the rent comes in. Let's say the mortgage amount is $200 you pay and you're collecting $1,100 in rent. Let that money sit in the account. Use it to pay the taxes and the overhead because this is a business. Don't use the equity. Use it to reinvest. So once the rent comes in over a 12-month period, use that money and buy your next property. So now you have two properties, so what we call two doors, that's generating $12,000 a year, $24,000 a year. And let that be your goal to get as many doors as possible. So if you can get 20 doors and you're getting 12,000 per door a year, I mean, that's good cash flow. And I will add on to that, good cash flow is amazing than having a chunk of money in the bank that is losing value with inflation. So inflation means this Starbucks costs $5 today, it's gonna to cost $10 tomorrow. So the $10 in your bank today will only, it'll buy you two Starbucks today, but it will only buy you one tomorrow. You know, the, does that make sense? But if your property, your asset is gaining value along with that rate of inflation and still kicking you out a couple hundred dollars, a couple thousand dollars a month, you're, you're resisting the inflation. Um, time value money, exactly, exactly. And the other cool thing with that too, is if you acquire 20 properties, mm -hmm. um, over the course of, of how long you've owned the property, you would have collected the, the rent from it, that income. But let's say you're getting ready to retire. Now you sell 20 properties, you said you're selling a portfolio. Um, if you have it in an LLC, for example, you can actually sell the LLC with all the 20 properties in it. Mm -hmm. And your capital gains will be much less than if you sold them off individually because you're selling the company with the assets. And capital gains is a whole nother conversation because <laughs> there's programs. Our current president uh, is a real estate investor and he put through a lot of, uh, you know, he did a lot to benefit uh, real estate investors as far as capital gains is concerned. But there's so many options available to you and we're running out of time. So I just want to say, um, Starsky built this amazing community for people to kind of poke around and see what's going on. We want to hear, we want to, if someone's offering you help, take the help. We're here available to help people flush out ideas and see what's viable for them. Um, and also, you know, I'm seeing these goals in the chat. That's, that's fantastic. So let's just start with one, one property. Um, Dexter was saying, we want to see the successes. I love that. So when you buy something, let's see, um, post it in the group. Um, just to get some of the questions out the way. Ahmad, did you see any live questions that's there that hasn't been answered yet? Yes. One has to do with credit. Since we're talking about purchasing homes, what is the ideal credit? And if, and if your credit is below say 700, 
all the programs that you should look into. Okay, so for my lender, I literally got off the phone with him this morning. Um, he His minimum right now is 620, and um, that's gonna change your numbers, but they will get you through with a loan product at 620. To improve your credit, there are tons of programs and I can send links if you want to reach out to me directly um, where they will give you access to everything that's on your credit score and you can dispute items that are incorrect. You can dispute things and see if they have all the information to even be legally able to report it on your credit. There's ways to make tiny little adjustments so that your credit score boosts in a very short amount of time. But 620 is the lowest that I've seen. Okay. Another one says... Um... Uh, are you still paying for PMI when taking out an FHA loan? Right. So yeah, PMI is built into the loan. That's going to make your payment a little bit higher. Uh, what is, I've been trying to, I'm forgetting what the P is for mortgage insurance, but I'm drawing a blank on what the P is, but, um, essentially it's an extra layer of insurance for the loan because you are a first time home buyer and the government's backing it. So they want a little extra layer of insurance, but you do have to pay that for uh, a year at least. And then you can opt for it to get out. Now, I don't think they automatically just turn off the PMI on your mortgage. You have to request it. Um, and it may be different in different states, but this is the information that I got from my lender. Another one um, asked that, um, Oh, if, if you are a novice and you are concerned about working with a real estate agent, especially if you're new to the area, are there any websites or resources where you kind of can do like a background check on real estate agents? I think the best background check is to have a conversation with the person. And a real estate person is, an, is a professional. You don't want to hire someone that you don't believe or trust or if you google them it's not what you want to see uh, i always recommend my clients interview at least three different agents maybe you decide you want to work with me but you don't know what's out there go have a conversation with a different agent maybe uh you want to work with someone who isn't you know, a little more laid back you know i'm i'm excited let's get it done but maybe that's too much for you maybe you want somebody who's gonna just call you once a week and say how's it going there's so much that goes into it. You just have to be on the same page with the person and you have to believe that they have your best interest in, in mind. Um, I don't know. Yeah, there, there are a few more questions, but I think we could answer them offline. Um, sure can. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Um, so for all those that are new, you might have not heard of the group. This is a group that's on Facebook called um, Black and Brown Financial Growth Group. Um, please come in and join. Um, for others that are out there who are been part of the group and are still going through it and, and loving this information, please give us your feedback. Feedback is important. We want to hear from you. We want to hear your questions. We're trying to cover all things that are assets, that includes stocks, that includes mutual funds, that includes real estate, that includes other things. Um, so the more feedback we get from you, the more you know, conversations we can get going, the more we can be, bring in people like Dexter and Sharon to talk and hopefully we can bring them back in to talk about more things about real estate, including owning property, the pros and cons about owning property. Um, but we rely on you as a community because this is a community initiative. Once again, this is not a race. This is a marathon. We're talking about generational wealth here. We're talking about creating wealth for not only for yourself, but for your family, your kids, your grandkids, and their great-great-grandkids. It starts with us, it starts with you. If the baton hasn't passed to you, keep running with it. If you're picking it up from the ground, take the knowledge that I'm learning, take the knowledge that these people are giving to us, and let's begin, let's begin our journey. Um, with that said, that's the hour. Um, Sharon Dexter, do you have anything you wanna say before we, we shut it down? Uh, well, I want to say thank you to everyone, uh, Starsky, Ahmad, Dexter, it's been a pleasure working with you all. And I'm so excited for everyone who's attended this webinar. Um, the fact that you're even interested in learning, that's how you begin. So know your options and then take some action. And like I said earlier, we've raised our hands as people to be a resource to help you reach out to us and just take those next steps.
Definitely. Thank you. And um, one thing, information is free. <laughs> All right. Thank, thank you, everybody. Uh, thank you, everyone that attended. And thank you, Dexter and Sharon, for your, your resource, for your knowledge, and for your support. Uh, have a great day, everybody. And thank you for your continued support. Thank you.